Welcome to the Food and Faith Podcast, conversations from the soil and around the table with your co-hosts, Anna Wolfenden, Derek Weston, and Sam Chaney. Welcome back, Food and Faith Podcast listeners. Uh, this is Derek here, and um, I am really excited today that I um, I have, uh, I think this is our first interview uh, across with someone who is across the Atlantic, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I'm here today with John White, and uh, John is a vicar in the Church of England who runs Hazelnut Community Farm. Uh, Hazelnut is a network of Christian growing projects centered around worship, community, food, and climate emergency. John lives in Bristol with his wife, Pippa, who is also a vicar, and their two children, Zoe and Will. Um, and John's uh, Hazelnut Community Farm is also the... Um, sponsoring organization for the Sustaining Church Conference, which we've been talking about a little bit and um, excited that we get to hear a little bit more. So, John, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. I love the podcast and I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, well, Thank you. Uh, so, as you know, we, we like to start all of our interviews asking question, um, what is your geography? And, and you can take that however you want, but what are the what are the places, foods, culture that have shaped you and made you who you are? Yeah, so even though it's you're, you've got me here from uh, in the England, but I'm American, you can hear by my accent. So I grew up in Minnesota and um, and really tried to get rid of that accent as fast as I could. I mean, that's just not a beautiful thing. <laughs> and um, but when I was 18, I moved down to Kansas City, and so I I think that's what I really consider in terms of home was would be Kansas City. Um, I was there the longest. Um, yeah, so I lived in Kansas City. Was part of a church, a youth pastor, for a super long time there, and met my wife, who's British, and we met in Kansas City, got married, and we're really ready to set up home in Kansas City, and uh, lots of friends there, good place, but it was there that I was kind of in a dead end job and began to kind of question what I wanted to do, and just felt like through prayers, time to become a vicar in the Church of England. It, which is a church I had never set foot in. And that is the weirdest part of the story. So I'd never <laughs> been to an Anglican church. I had never been to a Church of England church. It was like, what's happening? But we felt like we should go for it. So um, the long and short of it is, is that we put out some job applications and then getting another job in Edinburgh as a youth pastor. So I um, went there and we lived in Edinburgh four years, which is amazing. It was just like, so crazy to come from the Midwest and be a proper Midwest boy, you know, live literally Minnesota, Kansas city, you know, there's not, this is not tourist country. And then to <laughs> land in Edinburgh and, you know, have the bus drop me off for work. Well, first of all, get on a bus at all. What's that about? After I navigated <laughs> that in the shadow of the a castle and it was just outrageous. <laughs> I just thought, how has this happened? Like, how is how has this happened? And so um, we were there four years and then uh, to go for ordination, we moved down just outside London, and we were there for two years, went through the ordination process, got through, and then uh, trained in Bristol and been staying in Bristol. So that's kind of like this hodgepodge of places, and I'll be honest, um, it's just been a lot of moving, and we've got friends in each one of those places, and we're kind of hungry to just keep putting down roots where we're at, because, um, you know, there's a, there's a cost and a pain to moving, because when you really live somewhere and really invest somewhere, then you really feel the cost of leaving. And um, 
and we certainly felt that. Uh, but we've also felt the joy of living in all those different places. Yeah. I mean, just there, there's so much there. Uh, I mean, that's a that's such a fascinating story. Um, I, so I've I've got a I've got a lot of questions. Um, what has what been has your, your uh, sense of the difference of the church landscape between the the states and the UK? Um. Oh, it was it, it was such it's been such a crazy journey. So. Mm. I was in kind of a more kind of conservative vineyard type charismatic church in America, really well known. And people would call it the Kansas city prophets. Like it was, that was, it ended up becoming international house of prayer. And that's where I was in at in the States, but began to probably kind of maybe not be as involved with some of that and kind of wonder about how some of that operated. So, but it was just like this, the church, this is what was interesting is you'd sit around the table and people would be like, Mark Driscoll is amazing. And that Rob Bell, what a heretic. And then you'd mo- I moved over to Edinburgh, and they were as good a Christians as I've seen in America or anywhere else. And they were like, that Rob Bell is beautiful, but that Mark Driscoll is a total heretic. And I'd be like, these are the same people that believe the same thing, that are just nuanced and saying these things about, you know, kind of these figures. And it actually had me have a real question in terms of like, I guess the question that really confronted me was what is like American style faith or British style faith? And what is like the deep roots of Christianity that I can't get rid of? And that was, that was a real question I was confronted with is how do I know what is my culture and what is actually Christianity? Mm. And it kind of began later, later for me into my twenties, that kind of deconstruction process of asking myself, well, God, how do I test this? Like who you are and how does this work? And so, um, and I feel like it came out having a enriched faith for it, but also less um, connection to just like these big name people or whatever. Cause I've just, I can see how it's just the flavor that you're in and that, that's not really my jam. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so, um, uh, the deconstruction, the process of deconstruction, the process of of peeling away—I um, think you said it beautifully—like peeling away what is culture, and and what are the things that are are non-negotiable? What are the things that are really core to the faith? Um, I find that you know, like it feels like a lot of people are going through that process. A lot of people are really questioning uh, the institutional church, really questioning, um, you know, I think here in the States, really questioning how much is of, of what we hold on to is Christianity and how much of what we hold on to is America, uh, Americanism. Um, and, and that those things, and that oftentimes those things really are in conflict. Like they're, they're, they're really not as compatible as we would like them to be. Um, and, and so I, I, I'm interested in then how um, that deconstruction and some of the thinking that came out of that then led to the thinking that, that led you to Hazelnut Community Farm and, and getting that project off the ground. Yeah, so I think the I think in terms of like kind of revisiting the idea of deconstruction, what I've seen is 
I've seen a lot of people go through it. A lot of people that are like friends and people that I've walked with and been a part of the church. They're no longer a part of faith anymore. Um, I think the big difference is, is that is how you approach that conversation and even within yourself and with others. And I've seen a lot of people say, Oh, wow, there's questions I don't have answers to. And what I'll do is put God to the side, find answers for that, and then prove if God, if I can introduce myself to God or not. And the difference is, is in my journey was to say, actually, God, if you're real, let's go through this together. And I'm going to ask questions of you and you have an opportunity to answer me. So I think the difference is I just didn't want to put myself at the center of the universe instantly in order to deconstruct, because then all of a sudden it, I've already replaced God with myself as God. And so it was being able to actually say, I have to trust you, God. There's something already about you that you can answer these questions and then you have to be asked them. And so many people, I just see that they go through that process um, and they, they just throw out God instantly and they put themselves at the center. Yeah. Now I've, you know, so, um, but yeah, so while I was going through that process, we um actually, went um because again just an american living abroad it's just eyes open and wonder in scotland and when i moved to scotland i was just where i could get a job but i met so many christians that were like god's called you to motherland like and then you could hear bagpipes in the background and they'd be like god's <laughs> calling you. i'm like i don't know out of that i just like really like to go here it was you know there's this weird affinity with like ireland and scotland and this like celtic christianity but we spent like a lot of with we were in the little kid phase. We spent a lot of weekends going and visiting castles and you know all the tourists. Anything we could get our hands on, we loved it. And there's a lot of monasteries that are in ruins that are kind of just around, real ancient buildings. And so we went to one that was called Melrose Abbey, and it's beautiful, but a totally crushed down, empty space. Like it's just. If you could imagine it, imagine beautiful hills all around in the middle of this abbey that is just ruins. And so you're walking through, there's no ceiling. There's these beautiful, um, you know, kind of stone arches, but no walls, you know, crumbling walls. And you just kind of walk around. But what they've done is they put sites, uh, you know, signs up that kind of describe what Melrose Abbey would have been like back in the day. And it just like caught my imagination because they were describing... Mm a place where people were growing food together, um, that there was being f and feeding people. They were talking about medicine and education and rhythms of prayer. And, and instead of seeing the church as just kind of a piece of culture, it felt like it was just kind of right at the center and fulfilling a lot of the ne everyday needs that were around that. And, and I know that with Abbey's have a complicated history, you know, as well, but there was still something about it that kind of captured me. So, um, I started reading um, anything I could on like monastic type stuff. And that led me to new monasticism. So um, one book that was an introduction for me was Punk Monk from 24 seven prayer, which is interesting. And I've just kind of kept that interesting kind of, well, what does a new monastic type community look like? And I don't know if I even like that phrase, but just thinking about that, those traditions. And so um, when I kind of leap forward and I'm training for ordination, so I'm doing theological training and, I seem to keep writing papers on all of that. Um, and I come out of theological com, uh, training and I'm basically um, being able to be a curate, which is like a, the last step before you get your first job as a vicar. 
in the Church of England. And because I'm a pioneer curate, there's like a bit of um, permission for me to kind of do something outside of the church walls, a bit crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, well, what's this going to be? And uh, I'd been kind of praying quite a lot. And I just thought, God, I, there's a show over here called Grand Design. And I don't know if you guys, I don't know if that's ever made it over to America. Basically what it is, is it's like um, a, a TV show that takes people through like building an amazing house or refurbishing a house. It's Mm. like, that's your grand design. And I kind of felt like I had this grand design in me. This like (laughs) uh, building something that was, I could put my hand to that would really create something. And I was saying, God, what is like my grand design? What's this thing that I can put my hands to? I won't just want to like work for you. And then I'm praying that uh, for a while. And I took my kids out to a city farm and we're it was just this most beautiful day and we're standing in the middle of this city farm and it felt like like melrose abbey come alive Mm. there was people growing there was animals there was total intergenerational there was like loads of different people different colored skin different backgrounds different histories and i thought this is like a total hub of people coming together gathering around it there was just joy in the air and I thought this is, this is like a modern day monastic community. It just doesn't have the sacred space, mm-hmm. and so that's where my eyes. I think two things happened. Or first of all, was like, this is what I want to create, and the second thing is what Pope Francis would call a climate conversion, where mm. my eyes were just awa- awakened, and I was like, oh my word, this this like climate emergency is the issue facing the church today. And that's the context that I'm ministering in. So that's going to change all the decisions that I make um, in ministry. And that was kind of the first scene. That was um, just over two years ago that happened. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about this climate conversion. Like what, what brought it about? What were you reading? What were you, what were you seeing? Like what was, what brought that about for you? So I think in, um, in the UK, it's just such a normal conversation to be having and it's not really as politicized as i've seen kind of in america it's um yeah it's just kind of a normal part of the conversation and education over here so i was kind of more steeped in it in that way and i think i was kind of your basic kind of christian dude that thought climate emergency is a serious thing it's probably my top 20 things of things that i care about you know but like i should probably think about it but i don't know how much i actually know about it one of the issues too is early doors. I got, um, I met an Australian guy who was doing a PhD on climate emergency and I cornered him at church and I was like, okay, listen, I'm new to this. Tell me everything I need to know about climate emergency in five minutes. Like, like sell me on this, you know? Yeah. This is what yeah. And he just looked at me and he goes, we're screwed. It's too late. Like we're all going to burn. And I was like, wow, that's like, <laughs> That's horrible. Like, it literally put me off because I just thought, what's the point? Like, if you're if we're all going to, you know. <laughs> Not helping. You know, it just kind of, instead of selling it on me, it just kind of made me like, oh, that's really confusing. Like, um, that's not, ins- that doesn't inspire me to be engaged in with it at all. Right. So I think it was just kind of there and there, and I wasn't looking after it or kind of, you know, other than reading articles every once in a while that showed up on social media. So it really feels to me like it was a kind of a Holy Spirit awakening in the same way that you'd have a conversion to Christ. It was a conversion to almost awakening to the context that I was living in, both a spiritual and a real context. And so 
um yeah i think it was it was just um it was a god job I, that's mm. like there's no other way I, I could say oh there's i wish there's i wish i could say there's more science involved or this or that but it was just this awakening and it has been an awakening but i think it's really served me well because i think we need a lot of people to awaken quite quickly and a lot of the people that are already awake forget what it's like to awaken because they're so into it yeah and even when i was like because i'm only like a couple years into really giving myself to thinking about climate emergency and instantly people were just like you're just not good enough like you need to instantly be making your own granola and sewing your own clothes and have dreadlocks or else you're not you <laughs> care about this. And I thought, I can't be green enough fast enough. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I think right. there's a whole culture out there that people feel that they can't care about it because they can't go radical fast enough. Yeah. And I'm just like, listen, there's space at the table for people to be new to this and to be making their way. And we need loads of people to be slowly waking up to this and having spaces where they can wake up to this. And I think that's like what we want to do with hazelnuts too. say it's okay to come along and find your way here. Um, You don't have to be an expert right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, And and that is, that is such a, like one, that is a really grace filled perspective, right. Of like, we, we, we have to welcome people where they are in this conversation and like, and not everyone, you know, the, the idea that, you know, you have to be as green as you possibly can, as fast as you possibly can. Like, that's not how people's lives work. That's not how people, you know, like for a lot of reasons, for, for financial reasons, for career reasons, for family reasons, there's always going to be, these steps that we are taking towards these goals but you but to your point if we have millions more people taking these steps and instead of saying they're on the sidelines or saying oh we're all gonna burn so let's not do anything um you know we have millions more people taking those positive steps like that feels again that feels like kingdom work that feels like the mustard seed that feels like the east that feels like the slow working of god to to be a part of the healing of this world i i really i really love that as perspective um so before hazelnut uh had you done any farming had you done any like gardening work was that a, was that a was that something that was uh, like in you and like ready to come out in this context or was it something that you were starting from from ground zero yeah no we yeah the answer is yes and no kind of not really formally so i'd done kind of like your normal uh i don't know christian growing up summer job type person you know like (laughs) of course i did landscaping because that just is like available sure you know and so i think i do have a history of liking to get dirty in me and so like i found coming back to working in the grounds like as if it was like coming back to a a time when i was young and did it i went i did i went on these mission trips when i was a kid called teen missions international Mm -hmm. and they're a bit different in that they were all based around working so you'd go and like build some walls and you know build a you know so it wasn't like drama as much as it was work and so i spent like all my summers growing up in other countries doing work projects and so some of that's all inside of me but mm-hmm. it was like to come to literally to go from one day 
going to work and being normal John the next day being switched on I want to start a city farm job John was overwhelming to people around me because they just didn't know <laughs> what to do with me and the thing is I'm like a dog with a bone like when I get an idea and I feel it's the right idea I will go for that in every way possible and it doesn't matter if I'm qu- equipped or not like I'll get the equip you know I just believe it'll happen mm-hmm. so I remember kind of beginning to try and describe the vision to people and uh, one of the associate vicars I was working with was just like can I just stop you real quick John am I right in saying that you have no expertise or skills in this area? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, I do not. <laughs> and they're like, is this the right thing for you to be doing? I'm like, I believe that it is. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't have that, but what I think what we've done is we, we started with, um, we started gathering people around this and people with more skills were began to get interested in it. And what we did was think, hold on, City Farm is is a big jump. But what we could do is do maybe community gardens to start with and then build up to that. And that's kind of what's happened. So um, it's, it took about a year until we f- found our first piece of land. It was just a really small community garden that was basically the people who were looking after it couldn't like, look after it anymore. And then we've gotten a second piece of that land since then. And then this network started as well um but yeah i and the thing is too about gardening is there's i don't know any expert gardeners every time i meet somebody who's a proper expert gardener i say you friend are an expert and they always go me no i don't know anything i think the more expert you are at gardening the more you're aware that you're out of control in the process amen and (laughs) that is the beauty of meeting other gardeners where there's just this reality of like you can be as good as you can and there are things that not every seed is going to germinate. Not everything is going to come about. There's going to be slugs that you just don't find every slug and they're going to destroy your crop, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I'm learning. I've learned a lot and it's been like great. It's been, I've loved it. That's awesome. So, so you have this idea in 2019 and that takes you a year to, to find the land and then there's a pandemic. <laughs> there's a yeah. global pandemic. Like, so you've been, you're getting this, you've been getting this thing off the ground basically in the middle of COVID. Like how is, how has that process gone? So yeah, we've, um, before COVID hit, it was like, people were like, this is a crazy idea, John, but whatever. And I went and visited all these places that were doing as any place I could visit. I went and visited and talked to anybody that I talked to. And then COVID hits here and we've been through like a series of lockdowns. So Mm. it's like, everyone's locked down. Now we come out for two months, everyone's locked down again. It's like all these lockdowns. Mm -hmm. And so in the middle of this lockdown, which I think it's probably the same in America, everyone all of a sudden gets really interested in gardening. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden coming through lockdown, more people see this as a normal idea than when we started Mm. lockdown so in some ways there's this like silver lining of like this recognition of nature and beauty that kind of just wasn't there before it just seems to be a normal part of conversation that's worked itself in um yeah but so whenever we're kind of coming out of lockdown we did we went online like everyone we figured it out um how to do that and we started growing online and then um when we came out we just we we found land as fast as we could really and we launched it and we are we launched last September and we had about five weeks before we went into another winter lockdown. 
Wow. And so we were off the land again until the spring, but we've been consistently being able to be on it um, since then. So we've, and then so we've gotten a second site as well. Yeah. So it's been a real challenge. It's been, I think some of the things that we've really missed have been, and even now still like eating together and kind of coming around the table together. We're still not there. We still haven't kind of okay. come back in that way because there's still these parameters around that. Um, I think we've kind of, there has been some stress on the process because of um, not having enough time to prep or kind of build that team as much as we would have or connecting locally because we just weren't there in the community. And so those things are just going to have to be worked out in time, but it hasn't been without its stresses. And Oh, sure. Know. Sure. Yeah. So in, in those times when you are able to get together, when, when you're in between lockdowns and, and, what has life looked like? What has the community life looked like for for Hazelnut Community Farm? What 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 activities are you doing? Like who's involved? Um, what is what does this look like? Yeah, so we've kind of um, we've what we're wanting to do is to do a, a basically three different types of worship while while we farm. So while we not farm but garden together, it's all kind of part of it so there what we do is we call we do something called grow together something called nomad and something called festivals and these are kind of still forming really so the grow together is our most our, is most sundays and that's where we come together and we literally kind of work it as a community garden together so there's an opening prayer we've got our we've written our own prayer it's called the hazelnut prayer we pray that together and then we have different jobs, so we'll allow people to kind of slot in where they feel. So it it kind of works actually really well. And that there's uh, spaces for people to be working together and chatting over the beds, and other people maybe feel more introverted that day. They'll work work a wheelbarrow and spread some wood chip on their own, and that's okay as well. So we're kind of all mingled together, and then after we work for about an hour and a half, we come together and we say evening prayer together, a really simple evening prayer. Um, and what we're just introducing now is thinking about um, storytelling as our way to kind of communicate the gospel. And what we're wanting to do is mingle together um, our stories, the story of creation and the story of the gospel all together in how we tell story. So it's a kind of way of looking um, that works with being in the garden. So what we don't want to do is our main objective is to not make church be outside so we don't want generators and guitars and you know what i mean like we don't want a stage and pews we actually want to reflect back to nature so mm-hmm. it's very organic in the way that we kind of gather around uh, around beds and, and chat um and then the nomad is where it's a more distinctive kind of um a time of creative worship so when we've been locked out over zoom we've done stuff like make bread together make compost um, we've got stuff coming up like gathering picnics and things where instead of focusing just on the work, we kind of focused on more of a time of joint worship, but still really creative. And then festivals are the, what we've kind of are least developed because of COVID, but that's where we want to do things like, um, gather larger ga- community gatherings where we welcome people in, um, to gather around. So one of the ideas is next spring, we want to do like a seed blessing. And so, both farmer, you know, anyone can come and have their seed prayed for, pet blessings, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where we want to get to as well. 
I think what we found is that um, it, it what's been really interesting for us is that even if somehow Bill Gates would create this gizmo that would like stop climate emergency, which like who believes that? Like, can we just stop that? Like, there's not going to be a thing that stops that. I think there seems like the governments are like, you guys just wait. We're going to invent something. It's like, that's not really how this works. But um, um, even if this gizmo was to be created, we would still do what we do because we found that it's like, it's like we've entered into, we've accidentally found like another wing of our, of a house. And it's like opened up and it's like new experiences. And what we found is how much we've edited creation out of our liturgy and out of our worship. <sighs> Yes, and what we've what we've done is actually been living a gnostic life, and mm. it's just there's so much gnosticism, there's so much of just the spiritual, kind of um, getting to the next level that we've, it's so normal that we can't even call it gnosticism because it's everywhere, and what we found is by finding creation again, we found our context for worship, and it feels so normal, and actually, it's it's given us a context to be human again and to find a footing for our spiritual life that it's just, it's been so beautiful for us mm. and it's been such a journey. And so, yeah, I am. Yeah. I've loved every minute of it. Really. I love what you just said about creation as context for worship and, and the idea that like, there's actually a, a whole level of our spiritual lives that is completely missing, that's completely closed off from us when we close ourselves off from creation. I think I think more and more of us are discovering that, that like there is, there is, uh, uh, Sam actually said this in a conversation not, not too recently, that like, uh, that what the creation story actually gives us is sort of a context in which we are to be the people of God. And I, I just, I really am, am, I'm embracing that idea. I'm seeing more people embrace that idea. I just, I find it incredibly inspiring. Um, I, I'm curious about, uh, so we are, you know, we are finding, you know, sort of through this podcast and and through things, you know, other things that we're doing, we're finding that there are um, more and more people across the states, and like you have to find them, you have to you have to seek them out because like very few of them are self promoters, but but who are are doing this kind of work where they're um, where they're actually worshiping in creation and, and again love what you said about it's not about bringing church outside it's about it's about letting creation be the context for worship um i'm wondering if there is is that same kind of movement happening in the uk is that happening um uh, are, are you seeing more people try to connect those dots um and uh and what does it what does it look like is is it something that you're seeing a lot of is it is it something that maybe has the potential to to take off in the uk absolutely i mean i think it's um from where it was when we started even to now is it's grown so much and there's i think there's different movements are starting all over you've got more established ones over here like forest church or muddy church um and then you've, yeah, I've got, so I've got people, I probably have about three or four conversations a week with people who are just 
wanting to talk about how to start something like that. And I think it was there. I think it was just because of the initial way it started was, oh, you can't have church inside, but you can have it outside. So churches were like, fine, we'll do it outside. And then people were just like, wow, that was awesome. Maybe we should keep doing that. Like what happened? That was, Mm -hmm. that wasn't just like second best. That was actually really valuable. That was a beautiful thing. And so how do we keep doing that? And so there's a lot of people that are kind of going down that road as well. Um, Yeah. So yeah, loads. So one of the things we're starting at, um, at least through Hazelnut, is so everything we're trying to do at Hazelnut is free because we just really believe that if we if this is an extinction-level event, climate emergency, then this isn't the time to be building our individual kingdoms, but we need to be sharing open resource everything. So we're going to start something called Potting Shed, and the idea is is – to help train people to start growing communities. So we'll be doing that with other partners as well. So it's not just us, but as many people that want to come around that table and share information. Um, and the idea is that, it, yeah, so we start kind of this hazelnut network. Um, it doesn't, people won't call it hazelnut, but it's just a, a place to encourage one another. Sure. Cause it can, if you're starting from scratch, it can feel like a lot unless you've already got some land and some expertise. Cause there's a lot of like little hidden things that um, crop up. Yeah. Like where do you get water? How do, where do you get seeds? You know, those questions. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I know that there's an allotment system in the UK. Um, what, what's it been like to um, like in terms of getting the space, are you working primarily with city government? Are you working primarily with finding land that's vacant and privately owned? I mean, is it, what's, is that a more complicated system? It's a whole mix. So we've got it. So with, with the two sites I look after, one of them is leased by a shop basically. Okay. And they're allowing us, these two shops are allowing us to use the land that was all brambles and all overgrown back. <laughs> Our second spot is a, a quite a large piece that was attached to a church that was mm. that was a community garden, but the people that were looking after it have kind of moved on. So both the sites we don't own and we don't pay rent on, except maybe a little bit on one of them. Um, but we have other people that are so within the we have one group um, that is attached to a cathedral that has a walled garden that's closed off that they've restarted. We've got someone else who's on a community garden. We've got someone who's, who's in a collection of rural churches. And so they're using farmland that's attached, um, you know, to members that they're using. So I think we're finding a whole range of different ways. Some people are doing allotments as well. And we're kind of saying, well, whatever reflects your community, go for it. There's so many different ways to use and find land. Um, I think the only two things we're asking for our people that are connected to us are be distinctively Christian, but that doesn't mean you had to be one. We've found that we've had liberal, conservative, evangelical, sacramental, all have expressions within what we're doing. And then the other thing is that we want to give 50% of what we grow back to the community as a minimum. And so the, the whole idea is that we're growing to give and not just to experience it, but it's um, how do we, ex- I guess this is the question too. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm rambling, but no, go for it. Kind of one point I want to get to is that um is that we're kind of stretching into territory now for a future time. And so how do we experiment with growing together 
and growing to care for a community so that as climate emergency escalates, we have more resilient communities of faith and that we can continue to give that away and help churches modify and change into that. Um, Because we don't, I don't believe the church is doing the work that it needs to do for the change that's coming. I think the vast majority of the, of the church, whether it's, you know, name a denomination is still trying to save its bacon rather than actually change with where it's going. And um, that's just not really what I'm interested in. Yeah, likewise. Um, and to that end, you, uh, you've you organized the Sustaining Church Conference. And it's actually really, it's really interesting for to see this kind of come about um, when, when in some ways you're, you're kind of, like you said, you're kind of a new convert to this conversation. Um, tell me about how you organized this conference and um, really where, where was the impetus for uh, starting this conversation and getting people together for it? So, yeah, it started out where we had to go online again, kind of last autumn. And we had a series of um, kind of visiting speakers come. And it was just like, it was like dynamite. Like we had just, we hit on it where we had someone come who named Justin, who's one of the people helping to plan this, he's a theologian. And he's just asking these deep theological questions about, you know, our motivation and how it would come. And it was like really positive. And then someone came who was a real practitioner who was like, working with um, people outside of, uh, out of a, out of a jail to, you know, to work. And then back to this like theological, and we just thought the thinking was coming alive and we were kind of coming in and out of that theological space and back into a practitioner place. And I guess in our thinking, it were, the movement was fluid. It wasn't like we ever stopped doing theology and started doing growing and stuff, but it was that thinking was there. And I just think, it was through those number of weeks where I thought, what would happen if we created a space that brought together some of these real thinkers with some of the doers? And we just allowed this to kind of see, you know, kind of morph together and the wisdom to emerge. So that was the idea. And so we spoke with um, Justin, who um, is actually moving to Toronto now, but he's um, uh, teaching theology here in Bristol. And he said, let's do it. Um, we're already. Um, partners in action with the Russia UK conservation, Christian conservation. They said, sounds like a good idea. So we just started going forward. And the, the truth is we just thought, what if we could just get one speaker and just see if anybody would say yes. <laughs> and then we got one speaker. We're like, I bet we could get a second speaker. And then we did, you know, and so we just started asking people and, um, and because it's on zoom and stuff, people, I think people were up for like saying, yeah, let's have a go. And it's kind of grown and we've um, done a call for papers. And so we've had a whole bunch of people that are just like us kind of just, just coming alive, presenting papers and things. And um, yeah, it's become, a, I think it was something really, really exciting. Yeah. That's really awesome. Um, and it's, it's, you know, so I, um, <laughs> I think it's, it's funny how I came across the conferences. I, I posted the trailer for the film that we've been working on. And then I think you commented on Twitter. And then I like, I was kind of like doing a little bit of like poking around, uh, seeing who you were and I was like oh wait there's this conference and I'm like oh wait there's people I know who are going to be at this conference I'm like oh this conference looks amazing (laughs) I think we accidentally like asked some top speakers from your podcast to come along so it was like when I came across you thing is I'm still so you know in the UK this isn't 
a real movement yet. And so to yeah. come across you guys and stuff, it's been so encouraging to say this is mm. happening. And again, I think that it um, it's even more encouraging to me because it just feels like this is something that God is doing, and not just a crazy idea, but actually like this this is a this is a God thing. Yeah. And um, I just found I found that encur- so encouraging. Yeah. And I and I you know I I echo that I I I have felt here like there is a. Um, you know, it, it's, I always say it's really hard to avoid puns in this conversation, but like there is a genuine hunger for, um, for this conversation, for conversations about food justice, about climate change, about, about what it means to reconnect with nature, um, in, in ways where, um, in ways that are substantial and that are, are actually tied deeply to our faith um and so when i you know when i see that nuri is going to be there and when i see that you know norman words was going to be there and and ellen davis like i think ellen davis was on our show like the weekend after i saw the lineup of who was speaking i was like this is amazing um so and i'm really hopeful like you know it makes me really hopeful that uh this can be you know like in in 10 20 years that this can be something that people actually identify with the church that like mm. oh yeah the church is the church is you know they grow food and the church is you know they're they're connecting people with nature and like that becomes a part of the identity of what it means to be a follower of Christ and i think you know what you're doing is helping to make that more and more of a reality and so i'm just really grateful that you've been able to pull these people together pull these speakers together these papers those great thinkers and practitioners together um, i'm really excited for it i'm i'm super not just like uh as as being a small participant but as as like i'm super excited to just to like go and attend the conference like i'm i'm jazzed about it um, oh cool we're going to record everything and put it on YouTube as well. So that, but again, this whole idea of like, it's free. So the conference stuff is free. Um, and we'll put, we'll record as much as we can and put it on YouTube. Everyone that's up for that. And again, those will be free. So the whole thing is like, let's just come and share um, and be generous with what we've learned. And, and I think that's the whole vibe. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I love that too. I think, I think there's, there is, um, and what you what you said was was so profound that if if we're talking about this in terms of an emergency, there really isn't time or space for us to like be building siloed uh, uh, to be having siloed conversations or to be building our own silos. Like we need to be. Uh, sharing resources and stories and best practices and encouragement um as a as a as a body of believers um so with all of this uh you know and and all of the things that are that you're going on and all the things you're working on um and with the challenges that you faced uh in in getting this off the ground i'm really interested in hearing um what gives you hope and not just sort of the hope that ignores the ignores the challenges that you face, but the hope that like gives you the strength and courage and conviction to push through the challenges that you're facing. 
Yeah, I think um, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is like actual incarnation. I think mm. with kind of awakening again to the context of creation, it awakens me again to the story of Christ coming into creation in a really new way. And that it's not just God as spirit that happens to choose flesh, but there's something that adds value to humanity and creation that God dwelled in it and walked around in it and was here and actually died and still carries within the resurrection uh, a face of humanity into back into the Trinity. And so I feel like there's real hope for this earth that God has walked among us. Mm. It adds value to this. And I know that God loves his creation. God loves his creation. And that brings me hope that this isn't, um, that we're not forgot about, Mm. but we're important to God. The second thing that I think that brings me hope is just, I just have a belief that I can't make changes that I want to make by myself, but I can in community. And um, I really want to do this with community. I want to see that I want to see this um, climate emergency have it's as it be a catalyst for awakening to community again. The fact that we're not meant to live alone, that we're not meant to live lives of consumption. Um, and honestly, if you, even if you look at like all the entertainment is out there right now. I've never seen an episode of it, but like, why are the Kardashians? Why were they ever on TV? They have no. They, we don't know. they didn't do anything before they got a TV show. As far as I can tell, the only thing they did is be wealthy, and this right. is what we do: we turn wealth into entertainment, and we believe that because you're wealthy, you are valuable, and that actually is soul crushing when it's like just absorbed into our culture. Mm-hmm. And I want to just kind of see again that um, our communities that look after one another are really valuable. And it's not about having huge amounts of wealth, but it's about looking after and caring for one another. And the wealth that is created within a community, within a group of people is so valuable. Um, and And I think that's the gospel as well. So that gives me hope. I think it also gives me hope is I know, yeah, climate emergency is a very real thing. It's very scary. Um, but as someone who's still new into gardening, there is such hope whenever you plant a seed and it comes up. Yeah. I just still, it zings me out. I cannot believe that happens. <laughs> and it just makes me feel like this is a miracle. There is miracles happening all around me. And um, I can't believe I get to participate in this. That there, That you would hold a little seed and it would have the genetic code for like a sunflower and it's so small it just it boggles my mind and i just think i know a bit more of the creator because i'm like i'm actually interfacing with creation and that gives me hope that like i feel like i know more of god by gardening than i do than sitting in a church in a pew and that is the crazy thing that i, and I don't want to throw the church out but there's something that has come alive in my calling and in my vocation from caring for land that has uh, helped me connect with intercession, with um, grace, with even thinking about issues of death and resurrection. So it gives me real hope. Yeah. Hey, speaking our language. Um, and it, uh, I'll tell you, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. It doesn't get old. <laughs> 
that's the thing that's really amazing about it is like I I I talk to people who have been gardening and farming for 50 years and they're like it still doesn't get old that that a seed produces a plant and that doesn't stop being a miracle <laughs> so um where can people connect with you connect with your work um connect with the conference um go ahead and plug away all all of the things yeah so check out our website's the best place it's hazelnutcommunityfarm.com um you can still get tickets on there it's um like I said, it is, we've done our timings in such a way that it can work for both UK and America. So hopefully you'll still be able to come along to that. And again, even if you get tickets and things, you can still get stuff available on our YouTube channel. So check that out. Um, look for something called Potting Shed coming. And I think that can work both in America as well as UK in terms of this starting growing projects. And uh, we're also hoping to, on the back of the Sustaining Church, to continue we're going to call sustained church conversation. So once a month have um, a speaker and have a kind of an open forum type place where you can come and ask questions and learn as well. So again, it's just the creating these spaces. Um, yeah. And hope that people can engage with it. The other thing is we have on our website, um, it is kind of UK based, but it's uh, like a resources tab. And the idea is that everything we try and do, we recreate and give away for free. Um, so hopefully you can find some, prayers on there, liturgy, um, tasks you can do, anything that can you can use in your own context. Take it, rebrand it, use it, call it your own. It doesn't matter to us. It's there for you to use. So go, so go for it. That's awesome. Uh, and we'd, we'd uh, I know I'll, I'll speak for Sam and Anna and say, you know, we would love to be a part of helping with the potting shed project here in the States. So if there's ways that we can be a resource for you, uh, happy to do that. Uh, John, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for like your heart and your story. Like this, uh, you've got a great story, man. Um, and uh, thank you for the work that you're doing uh, both at Hazelnut and also with this this conference, which I think is just gonna be um, a really outstanding event. And so grateful for you, grateful for your time. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. We are excited to invite you to a free conference this summer. It's called Sustaining Church, Reimagining Communities of Faith in a Climate Crisis. The aim of this conference is to bring together theological thinking on creation care with those that are actively growing or starting Christian communities that care for land. The hope is that this will be the first of many conversations that inspire further theological thinking around caring for creation, as well as an opportunity to network and empower localized growing communities of faith. The conference will be held over Zoom, so even though it's in the UK, you can take part. Some of our keynote speakers will be familiar to fans of this podcast. Nuriel of Parrish, Ellen Davis, and Norman Worsba, just to name a few. A full list of speakers and tickets can be found at www.hazelnutcommunityfarm.com. Thank you for listening to the Food and Faith Podcast. Our collaborators are Wake Forest School of Divinity, Plain Song Farm, The Garden Church, and The Keep and Tell. Editing is by Derek Weston and music by Paul Deemer. Follow along and keep up to date with the podcast on Facebook at Food and Faith Podcast, Twitter and Instagram at Food and Faith Pod, or on our website at foodandfaithpodcast.org.